Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NFL is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get all your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame you know and then you get free the only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with miss mcgill And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 136 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Beginning of the work week, end of the weekend, here we go. Well, it's a Sunday, or unless you listen to this on your Monday commute, you're in your car, got your headphones on, you're on the, you're on the train. Or you're hiding in your cubicle because you don't want to hear Stuart talk about his about his weekend. So you're gonna sit back there and you know eat your crackers and cheese and keep your head down. Well, thank you for tuning in to uh, Pretend Radio here and uh, sit back. Well, maybe not if you're driving. Don't sit back and close your eyes. But everywhere else for uh, 45 minutes or so, take you away some audio pleasure. Sit back, like I say, and we watch the. Pictures and the sounds as they fly through the air. Well, folks, um, at the top of the show, I hope everybody uh, went back on Wednesday and listened to my five toughest opponents with Tristan Grant. It was a, uh, always fun talking to Tristan. It was a good episode. Very well received. Um, a lot of listens. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, a lot of downloads. And, uh, yeah, no, man, it was cool. It was, uh, like I said, we'll uh, cheers. It's the first one in this hand. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, I always enjoy getting the guys back on, and, I, and I'm really enjoying the uh, five toughest opponents series that I've been doing. Um, 
And uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been cool. So I, I highly uh, recommend checking those uh, and just the back catalog in general. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think I've had some great guests on Morasti and McIntyre and Clark Wilm and Roman Volpat and Tedarenko and on and on. So definitely give that a shot. Um, every Wednesday is interview day, and of course every Sunday is whatever whatever we want to call this shit show Sunday. Uh, you know, general musings. Potpourri, a violent potpourri. But what are we going to talk about today? That's the big question. Well, uh, I've got a few things, a few, uh, few buzz topics here. Like, was it clickbait to get you in here? It might have been. But we're going to talk about, was Bob Probert really that good? Don Cherry's uh, tough guy, toughest guys in the NHL list from about uh, that Tony sent me. Uh, I'm kind of putting the time frame about 87, 88. 88, 89-ish, around that time period. And then my myth versus reality. Was the LNAH just a beer league? A very violent beer league? But that's how it's viewed sometimes by a lot of the ignorant people out there. We'll talk about that. But before we do all that fun stuff, as I said at the top of the show, I am a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. And growing... The basketball network now and a football network. Oh, I tell you, they're global media, uh, globetrotters. The, the, the expansion of, of, the, uh, of the network has been fun to see. Those guys are staying busy. But, um, yeah, whatever, uh, all the NHL teams are represented on the network. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. And, uh, like I said, that's, uh, Man, I think rookie camps are going on right now, or prospect camp. Man, it seemed like it just ended, but yeah, here we are. It's, uh, you know, we're closing in on September here, and uh, yeah, uh, preseason will be start. Well, I mean, the NFL is starting up here, so that that's fun. I can't wait to, it's my, I love watching the uh, NFL on Sundays. Getting the, uh, getting the bets in. College football started today, and uh Yeah. So that, uh, and then, you know, NHL preseason and, and all that stuff is, uh, is about to kick off. Man, back in the day, I used to love getting those NHL preseason, uh, VHS tapes. Um, oh, you know, cause, because that was your chance to see like the minor league, you know, you, Steve McLaren and, and, and fighting with Lindros and Philly camp and, you know, McMorrow up with the Sabres and, and all that. So, and you'd see these minor league guys, uh, you know, Mel Engelstad up with Dallas in the preseason taking on Probert and stuff. So that was always really cool to see. So I always enjoyed that, enjoyed those uh, preseason uh, compilations. But uh, yeah, right around the corner. But uh, also for my off-network friends, of course you got Florida man. Oh yeah, fucking mud show, Olin Salem there. Yeah, he uh, he had last night on the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook, which Alex created. Um, he had Jason Bone on for a live interview and, uh, I was, I caught bits and pieces of it. I mean, unfortunately the time difference, it's kind of right around when we were eating supper, but so I was in and out and in and out of it, but, uh, I will definitely, uh, he does the live form, but then next week, um, he will upload it as a, as an audio, uh, podcast. So, uh, I will definitely listen to the audio version. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really cool, um, idea that uh, Alec has uh, come up with in terms of the uh, the live interview. I mean, he had uh, Dr. Chris on there last week, and uh, and then with the whole technology now, they can like upload fights and kind of view them, you know, on live on the air, and you can comment on them while they're going on and what have you. And I think it's a really cool concept. And then you have people chiming in with the in the in the group discussions. So it's sort of like everyone's sitting there watching the fights together in the living room, so to speak, and. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a great idea that he's come across, and uh, yeah, it's it's great. And uh, and like I said, he's back in the game. He was off for a long time, but uh, yeah, check out his back catalog there at the Five for Fighting platform. Uh, by Lois, Segroy, Yablonski, Rob Ray. I mean, uh, great names. And uh, like I said, looking forward to listening to the Jason Bone interview. Um, yeah, and he's back at it, back at it. 
Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, he's oh big deal. You know the the, the wife got him a, a five for fighting pot, neon sign for the background and the whole. Di- I told I told him it looks Jesus looks like a Taiwanese massage parlor in there, but uh, you know whatever. Imagine having that guy come out and he's going to give you your your yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that uh, a classic uh, Lando Lake mud show out there in Florida, but. You know, he's doing the best he can, and, uh, you know, I, I all these people keep encouraging him. I don't know uh, how we how we fallen as a society, but uh, but he's back in the game, so, but definitely if you're on Facebook, uh, uh, sign up for the uh, Enforcer Appreciation Group, um, you know, I mean, there's always, I mean, I rant and rave on here about the fucking dingle nuts that are on there, but... Uh, for every goof, there's ten good guys. So, and I'm, and we're doing our best to get rid of the goofs. Uh, like I said in the last episode, if you're gonna smart off and be a dunce while you're out, so no one wants to tune in for or you know, because um, I think when people go to groups like that or like even in the old message board or whatever, that was escapism for people, right? You just had a shit day at work or whatever, or, you know, you late at night and you just want to unwind before you go to bed. Last thing you want to read is some fucking idiot troll. Now, again, not that you have to be a sycophant and everyone has to kiss everyone's ass and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that either. We can have respectful debates and, and that, that's, that's the whole point of the, of the group. But yeah, no, if you're going to act like a goof, you're out. So no, we're really uh, cracking down on that shit in the group. And, uh, no, and I think going forward, it's, it's, uh, it'll be really cool. But like a lot of good pictures and videos and stuff get posted up there and, uh, yeah, definitely. It doesn't cost you anything, so yeah, sign up and uh, yeah, check it out. And like I said, these live uh, these live interviews are pretty cool, so uh, definitely check that out. Also, out in Long Island, Jolton Joe Lazito, give me the Lazito. It's an Islander Enforcer Appreciation. Or, I always say that Enforcer pre Why am I mixing them all together? It's a New York Island. Well, I guess it's appreciation, yeah. But it's a New York Islanders Enforcer podcast. And uh, called Coliseum Chronicles. Again, tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Bolton, Strudwig, Asham, on and on. Uh, lifelong Islander fan. Um, you know, very knowledgeable. And uh, like I said, Joe was uh, partnered with Stan Fischler back in the day for the Bad Boys books. Uh, worked at the Hockey Card Company. Uh, Bruce Bennett Photography. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Joe has been around and, and been done some really cool stuff. And knows a lot of folks, and uh, yeah, runs a great show. And uh, yeah, I mean, what can I say? His latest uh, every Monday is his new episode. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, Barry Dreger Part Two will be coming out uh, on Monday. Um, as of right now, like I said, obviously Part One is up, and it was really, really cool to hear uh, uh, Barry's story. And I'm really looking forward to get when they get into the, the you know, deep into the IHL stuff and. Yeah, no, that'll be really cool. And, uh, yeah, like I said, je- definitely check out Joe's shit. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Joe's a big deal out in Long Island. Well, all over New York, but especially out in Long Island. Kind of a local celebrity. I mean, uh, and he's capitalizing on it. I don't blame him. As the kids would say, it's a nice side hustle. Joe's got the merchandise going, got his, slaps his face on everything. And, uh, you know, shirts, pants, pens, coffee mugs, frisbees, whatever. But, um, I will say, uh, it, and it's, and it's, you know, hey, I'm not here to judge. It's whatever folks are into, but kind of, uh, it, it was sort of a, a hand in hand, uh, piece that, uh, you know, last week, um, as I said, Joe is breaking down the 09 2000 season of the uh, New York Majesty, which of course was the lingerie football league out in New York. Joe was, uh, uh, was was going to break that break break that season down. Uh, Joe was a big fan of the uh, LFL, and uh, so I think uh, you know, and I and I think it's a really good companion piece to the uh, to the series. Uh, in now in, in merchandise, you can get the uh, uh, unisex um, thong, and with uh, Joe's face on it, and uh, you know, hey, if uh, like I said, it's. Uh, you know, and it comes in, uh, it's, you know, male, female, whatever, doesn't matter. No, nobody's judging. Um, like I said, comes in a couple different colors, comes in capital district sheen or Baumgartner blue. 
and uh, and I believe Joe called it the peekaboo bottom, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you happen to see, uh, like I said, if you're out in Long, if you're if you're in the area and you're out in the on the train there on the subway, and maybe you're heading into the village, or you're out in what are the Catskills, or you're out in Long Island, or what have you, and there's a dude sitting there with a a, a Peter Micah jersey and uh, and a, and a Sheen thong. That's Joe. Stop by, say hello, so you enjoy the uh, podcast. Like I said, Joe selfie. You know, Joe's Joe's big on that stuff. Like I said, he's a big deal out there. So, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, hey, marketing one hundred and one, man. Joe Joe's got the uh, Joe's got the uh, you know, it's covered. And uh, like I said, people want to talk about a side hustle. There you are when you're the Long Island legend. You start throwing out merch. It's got everything. Got and then got stuff for the ladies. Every you know, you name it. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, come Valentine's Day, uh, you know, think about that Capital District Sheen Thong, you know, for the missus, yeah, although I don't know, that might kill the mood when you're trying, you know, you're all of a sudden you're like, all right, here we go, and you're gonna, you know, you want to play some slip and slide, and all of a sudden you got Lazito's face looked staring at you, yeah, that might kill the mood, so, uh, whatever, I'll leave that up to the, uh, I'll leave that up to the discretion of the listeners. So, but I'm not saying, check out, like I said, check out his entire merch catalog. He's got great stuff. All right. Give it a Lizito. <laughs> Silliness here on Saturday afternoon as I record. Nice day out today. I'm looking out my window. Got a beer here. Although it's a beer, I'm, I'm still trying to choke through this uh, Brewhouse Ultra. I like, boys, I like the local stuff. But, uh, yeah, can't say I'm down with that one. But, uh, oh, yes, yeah, screaming kids, good times around here. Yeah. Oh, you gotta see that. You gotta see the friggin' mud show that's over here visiting. They've been here for about a month. You know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they're not using uh, banked holidays. So, uh, I'm sure my tax money's paying for this trip, but oh, just the, f- just the Griswolds moving in. You know, I'm checking to see. They probably got Florida license plates. I haven't, I'll have to go over and look. But oh, God. And they're friggin' th- four Howl at the Moon kids and, Running around here like little assholes. I'm 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 really hoping. Well, school's starting next week, so I kind of thought they'd be out of here. But uh, you know, hopefully they're out of here tomorrow on Sunday. But uh, no, actually, they're Manitoba plates. But it's just like, oh my god, they no word of a lie. They've been here like a month and a half, and it's just like, oh, and they get fucking drunk and start yelling at each other out in the lawn, and oh god, it's just embarrassing. Like, ugh, God, we need to move. Anybody want to buy a condo? Jesus. But that's my tale of woe for another day. What did I say the topics were? Where's my paper here? Okay. Well, it came up. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, if you if you happen to be on social, well, I'll, okay, I'll do this and then we can get into it. But if you happen to be on social media, as I always say, my first question would be why log off and run. But uh, if you are uh, Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook, uh, also on YouTube for now, as YouTube is, seems to be slowly shutting down hockey fight sites, I guess mine's up for now. Um, but I have over 2,500 videos on my channel from all the leagues. Um, whatever league you're looking for, everything's sorted. So just type it into the search, NHL, AHL, IHL, blah, blah, blah. Boom, it'll come right up. Um, but the point of, well, definitely check it out. Subscribe to the channel. Um, I'm trying, I'm going to get on it. I'm going to, I have some projects pl- planned that I'd really like to do. Plus, I do have some DVD, like I have, like I said, we're moving or trying to move. Um, so a lot of my stuff is packed away, but I do have some stuff here. And uh, in the next little while here, I will be uploading videos. I've uploaded a few, not as much as I'd like, but. Um, but I did put up some uh, Halifax Mooseheads from the 90s in the Quebec League. Thank you, Chris. Um, some Joel Terrio and uh, and stuff like that. I'll be putting more of that stuff up here lately. But, yeah, I'll put up some NHL stuff and all that too as well. So uh, definitely check out the channel. Like I said, just subscribe and hit the little bell notification. That way, as soon as I upload something, you'll get it. So, But like I said, with 2,500 videos, there's, there's lots of stuff to go down the rabbit hole to watch. But, uh, okay. Now, the point of all that was to get to this. Of course, the YouTube comment section. Oh, it's just 
Oh, chef's kiss. Mwah! With the fucking intelligence that's in that comment section. Ah! But, I have a gentleman who goes by Mr. X that likes to comment on Bob Probert videos. And, uh, I'm assuming, Mr. X, that you listen to this podcast. Um, or you've talked to me online before, because it seems the way you talk, uh, that we have conversed. But, uh, anyway... I have a video up of uh, the Probert Semenko fight from uh, from '88, and uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good little battle, um, and which Mr. X decided to uh, about a week, five days ago, leave a comment about. And most of the time, if the comments are really stupid, I just remove them and whatever. But uh, and, and sometimes I'll reply, and we'll have a back and forth. Um, depends what kind of, if I'm feeling froggy, I might do it. This one wasn't really completely disrespectful in the, he's fucking brutal. You know, it wasn't one of these guys. Cause as soon as I read, I'll just delete it. But, uh, it's sort of all over the place, but, um, I, okay. Well here, I'll just, I'll read the, I'll read the comments to you and then we can kind of, uh, we'll dissect this little bit of business and, uh, talk about a bigger, uh, a bigger deal here. But, uh, or the bigger um, topic. But, so the comments on the Probert-Semenko fight. Alright, the comment was, Probert was a rip-off. Semenko manhandled him with ease. Then Mr. Dress-Up starts stripping. What a joke that the guy was. Okay, well, now that I've actually read the first one out, I'm surprised I actually just didn't delete that stupidity. Mr. Dress-Up starts... I don't know what the, Mr. Dress-Up starts stripping. I don't know what that... Mr. Dress-Up and gearing... I don't know what that means. Or what that has to do with one another, but all right. But um, I always laugh. Like longtime listeners of this show will know, um, and I've stated this a few times, and I've said it online. But one of my number, one of my very top, top of my list of pet peeves is needless exaggeration, which I've always said does not transfer well over to social media because that seems to be all social media is, and uh, so that it. Normally, if I'm conversing or having a back and forth with someone, um, I can I can maintain I can stay in the pocket and level headed or whatever until they start talking really stupid, and then I just like I don't just start name calling, but I'm just I just sort of shut down at that point and be like, you know what, fuck off, you know, because you're a goof. Because at that point, when you have to use like I said, when you have to use like needless exaggeration, it's like. Um, like the, like I would say, the truth is good enough or what you perceive to be the truth is good enough in your argument. You exaggerating it to me weakens your case or your, or your opinion. Cause now it just seems like you're grasping. So that's just my take on it. But anyway, all right. Uh, so Mr. Dress up starts stripping what a joke the guy was, which I replied manhandling him question mark. Oh, by the way, those listening, if you're, if you're free, just type in Bob Probert versus Semenko, uh, January 29th, 88. Um, and you go watch that fight and tell me if Semenko manhandled them. Like, and it's not the one where Glant jumps in. But it's just like, what? So I'm like, manhandling, question mark. Not sure what video you're watching. Also, there is no rule against taking your jersey off or jersey modifications, which many were doing. So he wasn't the only one. Uh, finally... Finally, calling one of the best to ever do it a joke. You just sound ridiculous, was my reply. So his reply, I disagree. 75% of his wins, he's got this really broken down. 75% of his wins came from stripping the dress off. Okay. Other than that, he was an average fighter at best. Had problems with Hartman and McGuire. He did? Okay. I said, well, once again... Uh, it wasn't against the rule, so not sure why you keep bringing it up. When the rule came in and the jersey stayed on, also for also for all the guys he is fighting, what are their jersey modifications? Grease it up, shorter sleeves, larger jerseys, etc. You're talking like he's the only one in brackets cheating. Just say you don't like him, that's fine, whatever. But to call him average when the, when every guy who actually fought him calls him one of the best makes your statement again ridiculous. So can't. Oh, I have to disagree. His best years were in Chicago, for sure. Well, that's usually when, you know, as you get into your late 20s, it's your, your sort of your prime. But okay. 
he had to tie and he had to tie down. Also had to start fighting guys way bigger and stronger than him. Actually, actually became a way better fighter. Okay, I like. You're talking in circles. I don't know what that means. I have to disagree. His best years were in Chicago when he had to tie down. Okay. Well, first of all, you're just claiming he got all his wins because he was taking it off. Now, when he's tied down, his best you're saying those are some of his best years. So, Mr. X, you're all over the place. I don't know what you're saying. Um, and he became way better. Then he kept going. He was also afraid to go toe-to-toe. Bruby, Delorme, Morasti, Serge Roberge, always pumping away. I'm like, well, Serge Roberge didn't fight toe-to-toe, but okay. Brackets afraid? LOL, stop. Yeah. And I said, he was fighting. Who was he fighting that was way bigger than he was? Probert was 6'3 and about 230 pounds. There wasn't that many guys bigger than him. Again, the guys who actually fought him... Disagree with you. Go argue with them. So then he lists off. Well, Worrell, LaRock, Brashear, Shelley, and Grimson. All bigger and stronger than him. Probert, maybe 205 tops. Not past his prime in in any way. Just in the second era. Having trouble with the DH and D-ball guys. And then he puts a little uh, uh, needle uh, what you, emoji or whatever. Okay, well... If you think Bob Probert was 205 pounds, you're high. Um, I laugh how, you know, again, immediately goes to like Orel, LaRock, and Brashear, who Probert really didn't have, like, he had good fights with those guys. And Shelley and Grimson were a, a couple inches taller, but really you think they were like physically like bigger than Probert? Like Shelley and Grimson were skinny dudes, like... Not oversight. Like, Brashear and LaRock were, like, big, fucking thick dudes. Um, you know, Warrell was pretty gang, but pretty big as well. And uh, But Shelley and Grimson were, like, you know, just long, but they weren't big. Plus, I don't know if Goofy here has ever actually watched the Bob Probert um, documentary, where right in it, his wife says he was on steroids. So he was clearly fucking heavier than 205. Now, obviously, late in his career, um, yes, guys were getting stronger and were and like you guys like Twist and all them. And again, I'm not throwing everyone under the bus with, or Twist or Juice Monkey, you know, like everyone loves to throw out. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Has anybody ever seen a positive test? Just saying. But um, you know, uh, were there guys on? Well, yeah. I mean, I know the I know guys that were on it because I know the guy that sold it to him. So, yeah, again, I'm not going to get into names, um, but that was more minor league guys than NHL guys, but, you know, they knew, the hockey guys all knew. And, hey, whatever. I'm I'm not knocking guys uh, for the gas, because, I mean, shit, you're out there risking your health, you know, and, oh, you're going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be drug-free, and meanwhile, all the guys you're fighting are gassed up while... You know, it's your health getting put on the line. So, I mean, I've never, you know, I mean, in a perfect world, no one would take them, but it ain't a perfect world. So, I'm never going to shit on guys for taking it. I mean, if that's what you had to do, that's what you had to do. Um, You know, but um, regardless of that, um, this idea that Probert, and again, it's not just old Mr. X here, but I've seen it a bunch of times in the thing. you know, and I've had I've done this discussion before, this topic before, with uh, when bringing up Rob Ray and Probert and these guys. And while well, Probert didn't get out of his jersey, he 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 was cheating. He wasn't as good. Well, again, like I said before, and I, I guess I'm just beating the dead horse here. But at the time, it wasn't against the rules, and anyone no, it wasn't like okay, Bob's allowed to get out of his gear, but you're not allowed to get out of yours. Like I mean. Rule. There was no rules. Everyone knew Probert was going to get out of his gear, or try to. So get out of yours then. Like there was nothing. Like I said, all the guys. I'm well, not all. I shouldn't say it. Most of the guys back then had some sort of modification. And for those that longtime listeners to my show or to Alex's show, I always enjoy, I always like talking to the guys and asking them what their jersey modifications were. Most of them had something. Uh, not all of them, um, 
a lot of the guys, of course, also were came in in the era when you had to be tied down. So, but uh, but yeah, bigger jerseys, uh, goalie cut, uh, bigger sleeves, or sometimes tighter sleeves. In some cases, Vel- Velcro like Cordic and Matt Basil McRae. Um, some guys would spray uh, uh, Crisco or whatever or Pam on their front of their jerseys for so you couldn't get a hold of it. Um, that that's a little. Well, I'm saying with the Velcro sleeves. I mean, I can get a bigger jersey or goalie cutter tied down in the front as well as the back, or or no tie downs. You want to come out and yeah, you know, okay. But I mean, I don't know when you start spraying again. Hey, we all got to do shit to to survive. The Crisco thing might have been a little much, but uh, eh, whatever. Um, you know, you had Kaminsky, like he talks about uh, taking the chisel to his helmet and carving grooves into it. Um, if you had a visor, I know guys would sharpen the underneath or the screws and, you know, cut your hands up. And yeah, I mean, there was guys doing a ton of shit to get advantage. Now, we could debate till the cows come home if that's right or wrong, what have you. At the time, them's were the facts and that's what was going on. So, okay. So again, we go back to, uh, what I 75% of the fight, like this guy just broke it all down. Um, yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, yeah, and? Like I said, it wasn't against the rules. Now, if if there's a tie-down rule, and you're fighting and you come out of your shit, okay, that's pretty bush. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess that that would be, whatever air quotes, cheating. Um, but at the time, Probert, like I said, uh, wasn't against the rules. Because at the end of the day... Like I said, there's, I've always said, there's not, there was nothing stopping the other guy from doing the same thing. So, Probert just took advantage of it. And, uh, and yeah, and, uh, you know, and for this guy, to, uh, Probert didn't go toe to toe. I mean, well, I mean, everyone has their styles. Was he John Morasti? No. But I mean, when was Bob Probert ever a hugger or, a, you know, a grappler or, you know, like, no, he, he, he would swing with you. And go toe to toe. I mean, it was a lot of cross grip, you know, whatever grip and and then that type of thing, and and switch hands and you know and head movement and all that. But I mean, I mean, I've never. I mean, he wasn't an in tight fighter like a Larocque or a Brashear. I mean, um, you know, he would stretch it out and and basically fight the other guy's style. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think old Mr. X here, it's just sort of, I think you're grasping at straws, the, um, you know, and, um, you know, yeah, he was in his prime and then the jersey got tied down. Well, yeah, because he was in his late 20s, you know, so yeah, he was in his prime then. Um, there also, the other thing, like you said, when he came to Chicago, he was a lot better. Well, you know, the case could be made, and this is his wife saying it in the documentary, he was clean the whole time when he was in Chicago. So he's clean as well as he's on roids. So I mean, you know, he's he's dedicated to the training, and he and he's clear eyed. So yeah, shit, he he will be better, um, you know. So you know, um, you know. Now I'm I'm I've never I've never been a coke. I've never done coke, so I can't tell you. But I would assume, and I'm not talking like I'm shitting on pro, but I mean everyone knows his issues, obviously. Well, so if you're fighting on coke. Well, I would assume, yeah, you know, you could probably take a few more shots than normal people can. Um, so, okay, that would be an advantage. Um, again, I'm sure he's not the only one that was on drugs. But uh, at the same time, maybe not. But I would think as, as wired as it would make you and everything else, I think you would sort of be a little sloppy as well. And I'm sure he, he played hungover and what have you. So, um, you know, so you get to Chicago. He's entering his prime in terms of just years. Um, with maturity and age, he's sober and he's working out and, and focused in, on the juice and everything else. Um, not that the juice would make you a tougher play person, but it, combined with working out and sobriety and you're already tough to begin with. I mean, yeah, Probert's looking pretty darn good at this point. So, okay. But again, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, this, this particular joker is just talking in circles and, you know, whatever. But uh, in the general, in the bigger overall debate about it, um, like I said, um, if you if you want to have Dave Brown or uh, LaRock or whoever at number one, you know, that's all subjective. 
Um, the one thing that's always been pretty annoying online um, is, is, and I, I hate Probert's probably my one of my favorite guys. I love Bob Probert, but is the Probert apologists? I mean, you know, these guys just they, like I've I've gone on like that Probert fan group and stuff. Like they just hang on his nuts, and it's embarrassing. And I mean, you can't say you can't have a reasonable discussion about Bob Probert. Probert lost fights. I mean, of course he did. Everyone does. And somebody had put up the fight with Paul Laws, who under completely underrated tough guy, and Laws was a bad dude. And of course the oh, I wouldn't have happened in Probert's prime. And it's like why wouldn't it have? You know, Paul Laws is a bad dude, man. Like yeah. And then oh, and then the one guy, yeah, a lot of guys waited until Probert was past his prime. What? So I just typed back to him, like who? Of course, no response, right? No, it's just crickets. Yeah, see, you say, like I said, you say stupid shit like that. These people just throw out these stupid comments. And then as soon as you call them on it, they have no answer. Or if he does answer, I already know what it's going to be. Yeah, okay, bud. Go, or go watch the videos, bud. That'll be his answer. Like, he doesn't have one. Like I said, these people just throw out just stupid comments. It's okay, Probert lost. Don't worry, you know, we, you'll, the sun will come up tomorrow. It's fine. You know, the fight was also 20 years ago, so relax. You know, but uh, now some of the shit's just embarrassing to read. You know, but um, yeah, Probert lost. I don't want to say fair share of fights, but he did. He did lose. He avenged a lot of the losses, too. Um, you know, so, I mean, you play for that long and uh, you fight that many times. It's just like, yeah, it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, if you broke it down, it's like, well, do LaRock and Brashear have, in air quotes, better records? Yeah, probably. Then Probert? Yeah, I'd say so. Well, does that not make them better then? You know, like, how do you look at it, really? Um, you know, is Dave Brown better? Ben Wilson? Um, yeah, I mean... You know, you know, Dave Brown, I mean, everyone loses, but it's like, it's just, um, like a Bugard or a McGratton. I mean, you can start making those, those judgments. So it's like when I see people that don't have Probert at number one, it's like, I, I get it. Um, you know, cause how do like I said, at the end of the day, how do you rate your fighters? I mean, if it's, it's a, if it's a win loss thing, Probert lost, probably lost more fights than the, I mean, I've never, broken down everyone's fights and I gotta get to the bottom of this but I mean just off the top of my head like with LaRock and Brashear I mean you could probably count on one hand how many fights those guys lost you know um, you know one you know, Brashear maybe in Montreal eh, you know a little but once he got to Vancouver and Philly and stuff he was rolling you know and same thing and George is right off the hop pretty much I mean just thinking to an NHL fight who 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 in air quotes beat up George LaRock I don't remember it. Did he ever get dropped? The only drop, the only drop that I can ever remember LaRock taking was against Blue Ann and Junior. In the NHL, I don't remember it. Well, I mean, Probert got dropped by Ewan, uh, Tamer, uh, Morissette. Uh, you know, so, um, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, does that make LaRock better? I mean, you know, it's it maybe one of these episodes. I'll, you know, we'll go deep into it, and maybe I'll get Steve on here. He's really good at that shit, and and a couple guys. Uh, I'd like to have Dave back on History of Hockey Fights. I hope you're doing good out there, man. Uh, fuck, phone home. Let let us know what's going on. I've sent you a few messages. I haven't heard from you. Um, hope everything's all right. But uh, and he was he's a probert authority. I'd love to have him on and do just do a probert uh, uh, special, and we could talk about all this. Um, but yeah, no, because immediately, like I said, on, online, unfortunately, I mean, with most guys, it's okay, but I mean, you really can't have this logical discussion, uh, or this same discussion, because like I said, the Probert fanboys get in there and, and, and just start talking stupid, and then it all just breaks down into idiocy, but, uh, yeah, if you want to sit down with some, some logical fight fans and, and really hash it out, yeah, there's an argument to be made, was Bob Probert the best? Eh, you know, I don't know. Um, there's certainly an argument for other guys. And, uh, I think that'll be going forward. I think, you know, one of these episodes, maybe down the line, I mean, I've got 
there's a few projects I want to do in terms of episodes. I'd like to do an IHL, an old IHL feature and get a bunch of, uh, former players from the league on there. Cause I love the old IHL. Um, I kind of want to do, I, I definitely want to do some more LNAH stuff. And, uh, but yeah, this is definitely one of the topics I'd like to bring up was the whole Probert thing. I'd also really like to do something about the code, the whole code topic. I'd like to talk about that as well. So yeah, going forward, I think there's a number of projects I'd really like to do in terms of episode wise. And this, uh, as I'm sitting here just thinking about it, this, this is certainly could be one of them that I'd like to bring up. But, uh, yeah, there's something to think about. Was Probert really the best? Now put your fan, like I said, put your fandom away. Like I said, my all-time he's probably my all-time favorite enforcer. But let's, that's, whatever. Let's put that to the side and let's just logically break this down. And, uh, you know, there's a case, there's a case to be made that he wasn't, you know, we, I think we all have to admit that. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting going forward. I'd like to, uh, anybody listening, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Get a hold of me and, uh, you know, we'll see, but it's definitely a topic I'd like to revisit. But, uh, the other one that, uh, we want to talk about, uh, Tony sent me, I'm going to bring it up here, uh, a Don Cherry article from uh, hockey uh, what is it? What, what, uh, Hockey Illustrated. Don Cherry rates the best NHL fighters by Michael Schneider. Don Cherry knows a thing or two about fisticuffs in the NHL, to say the least. So Hockey Illustrated asked Grapes to name the finest fighters in the league, and he did so without a fight. Alright, Hockey Night Canada broadcaster Don Cherry is probably the world's foremost authority when it comes to fighters in the National Hockey League. No one enjoys a good scrap more than Cherry. Uh, they kind of talk about the Bruins for a sec. Uh, okay. Oh, these kids are out here screaming. God. All right, here we go. Okay, it's true. You get anything. Cherry, therefore, would appear to be a, the ascent, quintessential expert to rate the league's dozen leading pugilists, and he agreed to do so with one stipulation. This is in no particular order, he insisted. I like them all, and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Okay. Uh, well, number, Bob Probert in Detroit. Probert is probably the toughest guy in the league right now. He's six four, and he's what I call a super heavyweight. He's one of the main reasons Eiserman's done so well. You don't even look cross-eyed at Eiserman when Probert's on the ice, and he now he's got Klima to take care of too. I have to laugh everyone who says he's he has nice soft hands as a goal scorer, but it's just that nobody will get within thirty feet to bother him. In the Edmonton series last year, he was putting pucks in from in front of the net while everyone else was standing around looking for quarters on the ice. There you go. Uh, Jay Miller. He's the current heavyweight in the Bru- with the Bruins. A couple of guys told me that he, that when he gets hit, he doesn't even blink. You can't hurt him. The only time I've ever seen him lose is when he was, when he punched the door in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, I think it, I know what Cherry's talking about when he's coming off the ice. I believe it's a garbage can. He kicks actually and he falls down. That's pretty funny. But, uh, and it was just right on TV. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, Todd Ewan in St. Louis. Ewan shows up every day and can throw them pretty well. The reason you never hear about Todd Ewan is because he's in St. Louis. You never get to see him on TV. As tough as Probert is, I saw him knock cold by Ewan with one shot. Went right to his knees. Yes, that's true. It was, uh, oh, as Todd Ewan even says, that, that made his career, that fight with Probert. Um, What's amazing with that is like Probert came back like later that night and fought him again. That's a vicious fight, the second one. But, uh, yeah, obviously no, uh, concussion protocol back then. Uh, John Cordick, another heavyweight. Cordick has taken over for Chris Nyland. A torch has been passed to him in Montreal. And almost every time Boston plays Montreal, it's Cordick versus Miller. Not too many guys are trying him lately. If he's going to replace Nyland, I'd like to see him initiate these things a little more. Tony, you got to take better pictures. I appreciate it, though, but it's a little blurry here. But uh, Chris Nyland with the Rangers. I feel the Canadians made a big mistake getting rid of Nyland. The first three games he played with New York, they beat the Flyers in Philly, beat the Bruins in Boston, and tied the next game. That tells you something about Nyland. I knew he'd be popular in New York. I understand he went into the dressing room and said, we're going to play Philly, we're going to beat Philadelphia, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm going to be in a fight. You guys on the ice with me better be there to back me up, or I'll come in and get you here. He made all the difference in the world. Look what happened to Montreal in the playoffs when they went into Boston without Nyland. He put some backbone into the Rangers. He can throw them from either side. He's got a, he's a great uppercut guy, and he's one of those guys that never quits. 
They got rid of him because he couldn't get along with the coach, and now they've gotten rid of the coach. I knew he'd get along perfectly with Ranger coach uh, Bergeron. Bergeron's the type of coach, perfect coach for Nyland. He hated him when he was in Montreal, but he loves him in New York. Craig Cox in St. Louis. Cox, another super heavyweight. He's got those long arms. Him and Probert probably put on... Gotta go to the next page. Best fight of the year last season. It was a beauty. It went for about a minute, and the linesman just said, stay back and let them go. We had it on my show this this week in hockey. In fact, most of the guys have fought on my show. Most of these guys have fought on my show. I don't know why Vancouver let him go. He's one of the reasons I said Edmonton shouldn't play tough against Calgary, and that's just how the Oilers did it. He's one of the reasons I said Oilers shouldn't shouldn't play it tough against Calgary. If that's just how the Oilers did it, they just skated and never and never played tough. It would have been pretty hard to play that way against one of the biggest teams in the NHL. I think it's like I don't know why Calgary got rid of him. I think is what they're trying to say because he was with the Flames. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. I was I was kind of reading it like okay, this is confusing me. But yeah, I forgot Cox was in Calgary briefly. Um, Man, I love Craig Cox. That's guy I got to try to get on the show. I actually got Craig Cox's phone number given to me. I'll have to definitely uh, reach out to him here. I think he'd be fun to have on. There's those 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 video clips that were going around YouTube that are about oh god, they're probably ten years old now, but he they're kind of like a little minute and a half, two minute. He just talks about fighting coaster and Cordic and stuff, and and they're really great. That's why I'd I'd love to have him on and just like obviously expand on all that stuff. So uh, Dave Brown, Philadelphia. I don't know too much. I don't think too much needs to be said about Dave Brown. He turned out to be a pretty good hockey player, too. He had the unfortunate incident at the start of last year with Thomas Sandstrom and the refs pretty well had their eyes on him. Any fight he'd get into, he'd always get the extra two minutes. So he's he's trying to lay pretty low. I think you'll see the old Dave Brown next year, but it's a tough way to live, you know. Uh, Marty McSorley. McSorley's one of those guys that get that gets the important goals when he plays. He did just that in Edmonton in '87 playoffs against Detroit and Philadelphia. Most of these guys can, most of these guys can play hockey. They're not just sitting there all night. I've never, I've never seen him use a stick before the Bullard spearing incident in last year's playoff. <laughs> How foreshadowing, right? Um, but what happened was McSoy was hit so hard into the boards he was half knocked out. If it had been anybody else, the guy who had hit him would have gotten a five-minute major for deliberately attempting to cause injury, but because it was McSorley who was hit, the other guy didn't even get a penalty. You always have open shots at the tough guys. In a fight, he's got good balance. Oh, and then it cuts off. Don't he? Another guy. Daryl Stanley, another big guy who can really throw them, and is an underrated one. You don't hear too much about him. Uh, but when the chips are down, Daryl Stanley. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Stanley. Uh, then, oh, Joey Coaster. Problem with Joey is that he, that his right Assuming right hand, we gotta click. Uh, here we go. Right hand is all banged up, and I don't know how much longer you can throw them. But along with Probert, he gives Detroit the best one-two punch in the league. Uh, ben Wilson, Chicago. He doesn't fight as often since he hurt hurt his back. But but when you get him riled up, he can still go with the best of them. He can put the fear of God into a lot of people. When he was healthy, boy, he was there was no one better. He could really throw them, and he meant it when he threw them. Damn right, scrapes. Uh, Glenn Cochran in Chicago. He's just plain big. When they're when they're big like that, you've got those long arms. It's tough for the opponent to get punches in. Another Vancouver mistake, letting him go. Cherry also insisted on including a few worthy honorable mentions. Clark Gillies in Buffalo. There's no doubt in my mind that Clark Gillies could beat all these guys if he still wanted to fight. But he can't. But he can't put. Him, but we can't put him in because he doesn't want to fight anymore. When you get to be about 30 years old, you don't want to fight. What happens is you're fighting kids 19 and 20 and you lose a bit of the fire. There aren't many guys over 30 willing to fight. There is no one ever in the league tougher than he was, though. Oh, there you go. Like, pretty high praise from John Cherry. Wendell Clark. Wendell would have to be in there, but he's got the bad back. I can't put him in here right now, but normally he'd be in there. He's not a super heavyweight, but he should have... And he should have he should give it up for a couple, couple of years to get his back straightened out, but he's also one of the most valuable guys in the league. Can't be fighting all the time. He's got to cut it out. Also, Kevin Maguire in Buffalo. Kevin's not the greatest fighter in the world, but guys like Maguire I admire more than I do guys who can really throw them. He shows up, he'll take on anybody, and he's the only one on the team who, who will go any time. Coaster backed up Probert, McClellan backed up McSorley, but Kevin Maguire is it in Buffalo. You have to remember, you're not going to win every fight. The big thing is, is you just show up. And that's what Kevin does every night. But uh, there we go. little... Uh, 
Don Cherry breakdown. Ah, old grapes. Apparently, uh, Don Cherry's got like just tons of fight tapes. I would love to see that collection. I know, um, it's funny. He, it, I know it's t- his son Tim is the one that runs the account, but they follow, he follows me on Twitter. Maybe that's what I'm going to do. I'll send him a private message. I just, I'm just curious to ask, um, if, if Don has all those fight tapes still and stuff, that'd be, cause you, you gotta know Cherry's still got the VH, the VHS still hooked up. The V, or the VCR hooked up. Oh, I'd love to know. I'd love to, man, cause he probably got like old game tape and shit. I'd love to see that stuff. It'd be interesting to see what he's got in his collection. But, uh, well guys, we got 48 minutes in. Uh, last little bit I wanted to talk about. I want not too much longer, but the old myth versus reality segment. Um, again, it came up and it always comes up now, you know, when people talk about it, but again, this, um, when people talk about the LNAH, the uh, Quebec league, um, it's usually followed by in two or three comments later that it was a beer league. It was a circus. It was really violent and it was a beer league. Um, no, well, first of all, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, well, in terms of the beer league comment, yes, it was a circus without a doubt. And uh, the guys were paid a lot of money to fight and put on a show, uh, and and then and that's you know and then that's the clips that people see and those are the videos that people see and and they see the brawls and and everything else and so rightfully so it obviously gets the uh, label of circus. Okay, I don't can't uh, you can't argue that because it was at the same time, um, especially. Um, and then people see the documentary, the Chiefs documentary, shit, you got guys living in the rink, and they're like, what the fuck is this, right? Like, um, and again, rightfully so. But in terms of talent, um, and obviously, I mean, the clips on YouTube, no one's got the top ten goals in the Laval Chiefs on YouTube, right? Everything's the fights. So that's obviously, and that was the perception for the longest time, and that was also the, the image that the league promoted, was they're the toughest league in the world, and 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 that's and this is what it's going to be, and and the and the tough guys were the highest paid guys most of the time, and and you made a ton of money, and then right around '04, uh, when the money really started to fly around, I mean later on, I know the Chiefs they had a million dollar budget, so no, it's not beer league. So when I reached out and I I talked to a number of players. Um, about this topic, I sent them texts and I just asked them in terms of, um, uh, I mean, everyone knows the craziness, but in, in terms of the uh, playing when it got down, I mean, there's a little black thing rolling around out there that you got to put in the net now and again. Um, when it came down to playing, what, what, the, what was the skill level? Um, I, and I said, I've been told by a number of guys that it's East coast league ish in terms of, uh, talent level. And they all replied back, yeah, that's fair. Um, a couple of them said, after you get past the American Hockey League, uh, and, you, and, and he was going by like kind of the West Coast Central League, that when that was that model, United League, uh, when when kind of the, the, the 90s, 2000s, uh, when there was a number of different minor leagues, um, he said the LNH was right in there with those leagues. I thought he goes, at that point, it's sort of all the same. You have your top line that could play in the American League or whatever, but then after that, yeah, it's uh, yeah, East Coast League, um, and same with the UK. It was on that level. It was all they were all sort of around that level, and uh, but then he said, but then with the LNAH, what what after that, what made it different was that it also became they were they would have been the toughest team in any league too, because you'd have about five guys, like two or three legit heavyweights, and then three or four more guys that were like whatever middle weights and whatever. And, uh, whereas other teams, you know, in the minors maybe had one or two guys, uh, you know, in the nineties and stuff they, you know, and then a couple guys that would, if they had to, but I mean, no, in the Quebec league, you had legitimate killers and, uh, and they paid a lot of money to bring these guys in. And, um, well, like that famous picture there with the, with the, with the chiefs standing on the line for the anthem and you got Patrick Cote and Steve Bosse and Sugden and Garrett Burnett, and, like, Matthew Rabby with, like, the starting five. It's like, what starting five on any hockey team 
is like that anytime, anywhere, you know, and those guys were making a ton of money and, uh, you know, but at the same time, um, what a lot of people don't realize, um, when the money started going at the same time, there was a lot of mid 20 to late 20 year old, uh, French guys that had played in the Quebec junior league. And then, you know, maybe played a few East Coast or American League, kind of bounced it around in there, maybe a cup of coffee in the NHL. And then, and a lot of them went over to Europe and played Finland or Sweden and that type of thing. Well, now that their career is winding down, they've come home back to Quebec and they're going to school or they got a job or they're taking a trade or what have you. And in the meantime, they still want to play competitive hockey. So whereas around here, it's kind of, you know, we have senior hockey and stuff and there's still some good players, but... These guys were still, I mean, they're in the prime of their careers. They're in their, like, you know, 27, 20, 26, 27, 28 in physical, peak physical condition. They've just come off of playing in, like, the Swedish Elite League or whatever. And now, oh, they're going to they're gonna sign up and this team's going to pay for them to go to school. And then they play, uh, you know, two, and it's an easy schedule. You play twice a week, one or two, maybe one or two practices, pretty loose. And you, you know, you're now home around your family and friends again. You can sleep in your own bed at night and, and still play high end hockey and get paid really well to do it. So a lot of the French guys came home. And, uh, so that's a lot of talent right there that, uh, you know, that left the, uh, Europe to come home. And, uh, so they're playing on the top lines. And then you have, like I said, you had Eric Fischo, who wasn't that far removed from the NHL playing net. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, Daniel Grenot and Jesse Belanger and guys like that. And then, I mean, lots of East Coast League guy, Wes Goldie, stuff like that. I mean, so no, it wasn't just fucking idiots fighting and, and then you had a bunch of goofs that couldn't skate. Like, this isn't the fucking Adult Safe Hockey League uh, Division D out here that just has a bunch of fights too. Like, no. And I mean, and when you talk about the guys, you know, again, 05, 06, 07 in that time period, Look at the guys that were in that league fighting. Like, we're talking top-named, like, Patrick Cote, Joel Terrio, John Morasti. I mean, you know, I hear Brad Wingfeld. You can go on and on with who was there. And uh, Derek Parker, guys like that. I mean, these guys were legitimately some of the toughest guys in hockey outside of the NHL. Craig Brunel, guys like that. And it's like, and these guys, and like, there's five and six of them on each team. So, yeah, I mean, it was the most amped up league going. And, uh, you know, two, you had two and a half lines of real skill and then a, a line and a half of just straight cement. And, uh, yeah, and it was old-time hockey and it was fat. And, like, I mean, it's too bad people didn't see it live. I mean, unfortunately, I never got to see it live. I've watched a lot of game tape. So, I mean, I've watched games, so I know what the speed's like. But it would be – I, I blew my chance of seeing it live. But, uh no, you watch the gameplay. It's it's cool. It's fast. There's a lot of hitting, and uh, yeah, and you, and you can run your mouth, but you're gonna get it. And and it's not like oh, we're gonna talk in the media later, and we'll next next time we play him, you're dead. No, no, you're right now, and uh, and it wasn't whether you wanted to or not. So if you you could run around and be a goof, but you were gonna pay the ultimate price for it, and. Uh, or one of your teammates was going to if you didn't. It wasn't just idle threats. Shit went down in that league. And they weren't afraid to clear the benches. It was legitimately old-time hockey. It's like It was like early, mid-80s NHL hockey. And uh, in terms of like just the attitude about it. And uh, yeah, it was, a lot of, it's great. it was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, you know, the league's changed now. I mean, they're, they're getting away from the fighting. And they're trying to become more legitimate. And you know, whatever. And... Uh, but again, a lot of a lot of the French guys are staying home, so you, you still have some talent. There's a lot of talent there. Kids coming out of junior, and uh, you know they want to go to school and, and still play and make money, and you know that's the league to go to. And uh, yeah, so again, the myth versus reality. So this idea that the LNAH was a beer league, no, get that out of your head because that's just silly talk. Furthest thing from it. But uh, anyway, guys, that'll be about it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, I've kind of rambled on and on here, but, uh, yeah, coming forward next, uh, coming, coming forward, coming Wednesday, bar provided I can edit everything here. No problem. Uh, will be part one of my interview with Paul Ferrone. Um, and then part two will be on Sunday. I'll do the intros and everything for him anyway, but yeah, um, again, bar, unless something stupid happens in the editing process here, I had a lot of issues with the interview. 
not with Paul and what he was saying, but just like with the audio and stuff. And uh, so I just got to clear that up and, you know, and whatever. So um, I would assume it, sh- it should be able to get it done. But uh, I will have that interview for I'm really looking forward to bringing that interview for you guys. Um, yeah, Paul's a good guy, great guest. And uh, guys, I really like it. Like we said, we, we talk about everything. So, no, it'll be cool. And uh, But yeah, looking forward to bringing that to you. And that'll be coming up on Wednesday. So in the meantime, uh, let's have a good uh, start to the work week and uh, let's attack it and uh, we'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 